Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually, help leaders and pastors in today's culture. Discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. If you have followed this podcast for any length, you know I like to have men on that are impacting today's culture and reaching men. Hey, man, this is Mike Sandel with Cape Fear Men, and I thank you for joining us today. I am honored to have on the program today Jay Pinton, who I recently met in the last few months. So, Jay, I appreciate you being on the program today. Thanks for having me. Jay, you know, you and I have had the opportunity to talk over the last several months about ministry to men. And when we had our conversations, I, I quickly realized that, that you have the same passion I do in reaching men and speaking into their lives uh, about having an, a, a solid and intentional relationship with God. And in those conversations, I knew I needed to have you on the show to share your heart and to speak on what you think needs to be done and how we need to help to impact men's lives today. And, and it, is, it is great to have you on there. But before we get started, I want to share a little bit about you so, so our listeners will know uh, a little about your background, if that's okay. But Jay has a passion for men's ministry, as we kind of alluded to already. He was ordained as a deacon back in uh, 2009, and he answered God's call to men's ministry in 2013. He currently serves as the men's pastor at Boone's Chapel in Prattsville, Alabama, and assists other churches and men's ministry organizations as a speaker, coach, teacher, and counselor. Jay has been in law enforcement most of his adult life, serving as uh, in the military as a pol- in the police unit and policeman in the U.S. Army and both uh, the active and the National Guard for 22 years. And he recently released, yeah, excuse me, tongue-tied, and he recently retired after 24 years as an Alabama State Trooper. He lives in Brassville, Alabama with his wife, Dana, of 27 years, and they have two children. Delaney and Joy, who are young adults uh, themselves. So, you know, it, it, Jay has been one of those guys I just kind of resonated with as I, I get to know with him because our heart is, I think it's knitted together in what we're called to do. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think, I, I think it's vital that we reach men uh, for ministry. I think, that's, uh, I think that that's part of our problem today is that we have so many men that are not meeting that definition of manhood that God mm. kind of plainly puts out for us in the Bible. I mean, uh, it's pretty Im- impactful when you start looking at it and we see men today who are just not doing the things that God has called them to do. No, I mean, well, I've got to ask you this question because you don't hear this too often. You said, your bio says that you, uh, uh, you're serving at your Boone's, Boone's Chapel uh, as a men's pastor, you know, you don't hear churches having someone that's called a men's pastor that often. There's, I probably can count on on one hand the men, the number of times I've heard of a church having someone on their uh, at their church they call a men's pastor. So, so as a men's pastor, what is your role? What do you do? Well, I think you should, you, much like a pastor, what does a pastor do at the church? The, the pastor at the church equips the membership uh, so that they can spread the news of Christ and they shepherd the membership at the church mm-hmm. too. And I think a men's pastor does that same thing. 
the little, there's a little difference there. You know, sometimes I'm called a men's minister and sometimes I'm called a men's pastor. Sometimes I think it's, uh, depends on how mad somebody is at me. They might call me the men's minister, but if, uh, they really like what I'm saying or like what I'm doing, they may call me the men's pastor. <laughs> but uh, I think it's important that we have that guy at the at the church, no matter if he's called a men's pastor, a men's minister, a men's leader. I've heard him called men's ministry coordinators. But the pastor, the, 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 the church pastor definitely needs that guy that he can go to that can organize the men, rally the men, and call them out to do the thing that God has called them to do. And also, he's got to have the, the that men's minister, men's pastor, whatever you want to call him, he's got to have the support of the pastor. And the pastor needs to know that he has his men's leaders support also, because I, I think sometimes pastors at churches fear, fear a guy who's going to rally the men because they might rally him against him. And yeah. It, yeah. the one thing I have always been, and when I talk to other churches about how to organize your men's ministry, I'm like, I tell them how hey, you run everything by your pastor and you yeah. make sure that he knows everything that you're doing. And you make sure that everything is in line with his vision for the church, because he is the man that God has called to lead that church. Amen. I, and I totally agree with what you're just saying there at the end about about uh, making sure you have the support of your pastor and that you support your pastor and that he knows everything that you're doing. That is that is critical if you want to have that effective and vibrant men's ministry in your church. Do you think every church ought to have someone like yourself, whether they call them a men's pastor or a men's ministry minister or or even just a men's I think leader? they need to have. I think they need to have a leader, someone who can, uh, who can, who can rally the men. So, cause it's a whole lot easier. I think if the pastor or, you know, the pastoral staff of the church has a guy that they can call, Hey, we need some guys to do this. Can you, can you get some guys handle this? Um, I, I know it, it happened, uh, at our church not too long ago. We just got a phone call and it actually wasn't my pastoral staff that got the phone call. It was one of the other guys that's that's involved in ministry with our church he says hey i just got a phone call from my mother there's someone that she knows that needs uh it was a need they needed a, a handrail put up next to their bed and then uh so he said do you know anybody we know that can do that and i and i immediately said to, get, to that guy so well, what are you doing when you get off of work today and uh, <laughs> he says well i guess i'm going to this guy's house i said yeah and i said and i'll meet you there and yeah. so it was he and I, and, uh, and we went over there. We saw the need. Well, when we get over there, they need a new door. So oh now we're God. working on that. So, you know, this is all part of our ministry. And, and, you know, I'll tell you, I don't think the pastor at the church needs to have to worry about things like that. He needs to have somebody that he can call. And um, whether it's a deacon, whether it's the men's minister, he needs to have someone he can call that he could hand that off to, because that's what, the pastor doesn't need to be worried about going and, you know, uh, fixing a door or or, or um, fixing something like that. He needs to have men at his church that can do that. He needs to have a point man that he can call that can that knows who else to call to handle that yeah. kind of stuff. Does that make yeah. sense, Mike? I mean, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, it had been too long ago when I heard a pastor talking about his first pastorate. 
and he was saying in his first pastor, he was excited about going in and pastoring this, this, this church. But he didn't realize that when he uh, accepted that pastorate and he went in there, he was not only going to be the pastor, but he was going to be the um, uh, custodian. He was going to be the maintenance man. He was going to be, you know, the, the, the project coordinator of things being done around the church. He didn't realize he was going to wear all these different different types of hats. And, and a lot of times our churches, our churches kind of expect our pastors to do that, but that's, that's not what they're called to do. They're called to equip the church members to do all that other stuff. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so, and so we need to help our men to understand their roles. In that. Let me ask you another question in, in your bio. And I think this is interesting too. And I, and I want to kind of touch on this a little bit and help our guys understand uh, this concept because I wrote a book on this uh, about my own, uh, my own life, so to speak. But in your bio, you said uh, you were called, you answered a call into men's ministry. Talk about that a little bit. What do you, what do you mean? I mean, we hear, okay. we hear, we hear pastors talking about shepherds, our shepherds, so to speak, being uh, called into ministry. Is it the same thing? Is it different? What, what are we talking about there when we say we've answered a call? Okay, well, first off, let, let me prep that by saying this. I think, for one, I think if you call yourself a Christian, you're called. Amen. Okay, you're called to do God's work, whatever it is. I heard a preacher say one time that everybody wants to hand out Bibles in Honduras, but somebody's got to pay the light bill at the church every now and then. Yeah. You know, so yeah. maybe God's calling you to pay the light bill at the church. And maybe you don't think that's as, as important as handing out Bibles in Honduras, but it is absolutely as much important to spreading God's ministry. So I think along with that, I believe that most of the time when we're called, I think, I think God calls a lot of us right where we are at. You know, I, I don't think it's right for us to say, I'm just waiting to figure out what God's calling me to do. Well, 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 bud, you need to get busy right now because he's called you <laughs> right where you're at. And, and I think that's what happened to me. So when, when I felt like my pastor was starting to use me to fill in uh, when he was gone to fill the pulpit on Wednesdays and sometimes Sunday nights. And, um, and I, and I just really enjoyed filling the pulpit and being able to preach. And, um, and, and then I, I, you know, I just, I was like, well, maybe this is the thing that God is calling me to do. And I think lots of times when we think we're called to ministry, we just automatically assume, well, God's calling me to be a preacher. God's calling right. me to be a preacher right. at a church. But right. I don't think that's true. I think lots of times what he's calling you is what you're already to is what you're already doing. So I, I remember telling my pastor that I felt like I was called to do this. And I, I also told my wife, and at the time I told my wife this, I said, um, I said, I think God's calling me into ministry. I feel like that God's calling me to ministry. And she said, well, does that mean we're quitting the troopers? And I said, well, well, I don't know. I, I, I didn't even think about that part. So, you know, I said, maybe that's something I need to pray about. So I prayed for a couple of months over that. And then I started realizing that at the time I was, I had moved to a position in driver's license division. And so I did a lot of administrative work, but a lot of the troopers that I supervised in highway patrol were coming to my office to talk to me about stuff, personal matters, not work stuff. Mm 
hey, man, you got a minute? Yeah. And they'd sit down and talk to me about stuff. And then I, it didn't take me long to realize that, hey, God don't want me to quit the troopers. He, he, he's got me here to do this, too, because it was an opportunity to share the gospel with these guys. And, um, and, and so I recognized that real quick also. So then finally, one day I was driving to North Alabama to teach a class because uh, uh, I, I used to teach a lot of DUI enforcement training. I'm, uh, it, it, God's, God blessed me in being able to sniff out drunks pretty easy. So. <laughs> and so my department had me start teaching people how to do that. And one day, several months later, I was driving to North Alabama and I was just driving down the road praying. And um, I had already been the men's minister at the church for about a year, about a year or two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was just thinking about that and just thanking God for letting me do that at my church. And then all of a sudden it just hit me. I'm like, well, stupid, that's what he's calling you to do. And that's where I came up with the idea. You know, I think that's what God calls a lot of us to do. We're sitting around waiting, trying to decide well, what does God want me to do? What does he want me to do with my life? Well, well, we're waiting for that. We're waiting. For, yeah. We're waiting for that bolt of lightning to come down. And yeah. strike us. This, this well, is- that's what we're doing. We're waiting for. Yeah. We're waiting for that awe inspiring moment where God yeah. speaks out loud to tell us that. When he's already spoke out loud by putting you right where you're at, man, pay attention. And it, it took me several months to actually realize that. Yeah. And I remember the day that happened. I, I was driving up the interstate. I pulled over on the curb and I called my pastor. I said, hey, man, God's called me to be a men's minister. He's calling me to pastor men. He said, and he said, well, of course he is. Okay, I just wanted you to know I had that. Why did it take you so long to figure that out? (laughs) I think it was almost like he had it. He had already figured it out a while a while ago. But you know, but I think that's so. When you I say that I've God has called me to this. So over the years, you know, I I I I followed. I, I came to know Christ as a as a as a teenager. And um, I joined the army and, and I moved away from God. And, uh, and when I say, and I know some people say, well, you were probably never saved to begin with. No, I was producing fruit. I, I know, I knew it was like when I first joined the army, I was having my quiet time every day. Right. And then I made a conscious decision as a believer to move away from God. Cause I think all backsliding Christians do that. They make that decision to make that move away from God. And I stayed, and I moved away from God for a, uh, for a, few, a number of years, a long time. And I drank and I did things that, I, that were not godly, that were not uh, that not uh, being a good Christian. But you know what? God, I think God can use bad things like that for his to, for his glory. And I, I really think that uh, that's what happened. You know, now as a men's minister, as a men's pastor, whichever one you want to call me. I feel like when guys come to me with stuff that they're doing, it, it just doesn't surprise me because I've heard of that. I've been around it. I've either done it, you know, and after being a state trooper and a military policeman in the army, I, you know, I've, I've heard of other guys doing that. And it just nothing, not many things surprise me anymore. The fact that God, I tell you, I tell you, Mike, it's like I, I, I just I slopped around in the mud for a number of years and God finally dipped me up out of that. And he gave me a pair of waders so that I could walk out and pull out some other guys. 
Well, you know, well, I, I, well, I just well. think that's what it's like now. And uh, that's that's what I think it is to be called to be a men's minister. I think I appreciate any call that anybody has. I, I told a young man at my church not too long ago, don't be making fun of somebody else's ministry because you don't know what God's called them to do. You only know what God's called you to do. Yeah. yeah. Amen. You know, and, and I appreciate you sharing that because of the fact of uh, I feel the same way. God has called every believer to a particular task, whatever that task may be. It may not be as high profile as being a pastor of a 3,000 member church. It could be just an individual who's taking care of the building of the, of the facilities or walking the streets and ministering to people as you see needs that are there. Even in your day-to-day job, whatever it may be, as a state trooper or as a um, person who works in the power industry like I did for so many years, God's placed you there for a reason. And and uh, you just need to allow God to use you because that, that at that point is what he's called you to do. And I appreciate you sharing that because I do believe that every believer is called into some sort of opportunities that God wants to use you. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about our men in general, the, the men we're reaching. What are men struggling with today? What do you think their biggest issue is uh, that they, they, they struggle with and causes them not to be uh, in that relationship with God they need to be in? Well, I, I'll tell you, Mike. That, that's a man. That's a loaded question, and there's. I mean, there's there, there's so many things that men deal with. I just uh, I was sitting here trying to think of a proverb I shared with somebody the other day. Uh, some of the uh, I, I'll tell you, there's some guys I I, I know that I I'm talking to that. Um, so you, we we could say some of the obvious things that guys are not doing the, the work that they should be doing at home. Uh, they're not tending to their family at home. You know, we've got all kinds of stats that show that's happened, right? And um, we, right. we get it. And er, you don't go to too many men's events or too many um, men's conferences where somebody doesn't bring that up. But I never hear anybody bring up as to why they're doing that. And um, I tell you, I think I think men just just feel defeated lots of times. And uh and they get so busy chasing the things that they want that they forget to start doing the things that um, that's required of them. You know, we've allowed and, and I get in trouble sometimes for saying this. We've allowed women to fill so many roles. And when I say allow them, I don't mean like like we lord over women or anything like that. I just mean it's because men aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Look at I remember, I remember hearing a woman. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I remember mm-hmm. hearing a woman say one time. Years ago, she said, the reason why I do what I do in the church is because a man didn't step up to do it. Yeah. And praise God for godly women, right? Right. Amen. Because they have protected the church when men were not protecting the church like they were supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I know I see that that a lots of times with uh, we, we want so much that um, men do the things they're supposed to do that. And there's all or we try to say that women should not be doing that. And the reason, and it's just like you just said, the reason they're doing it is because a man somewhere is not doing what he's supposed to do. I've had some guys come up here lately as far as like I have Christian men come up to me and they, they tell me, uh, so, well, you know, I, I'm not so sure that I'm working at the place that I should be working because uh, people are just evil there. They're that they, they cuss and they're, 
they're dirty and stuff like that. And, you know, man, I sit and think at it, look at it, and I think about it. Man, I've been a state trooper for 20-something years. I've been in law enforcement. I've been around a bunch of people that do that. And so I kind of lose my cool maybe a little bit talking to them. I said, well, buddy, you need to just have a little thicker skin. God has you put there for a reason. Maybe maybe you need to do what it is, God, that's calling to you and lean more on him. You know, I found this verse in Isaiah 6, 5 that says, uh, Woe is me, for I'm a ru- I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. Well, you know what? There's a world of people with unclean lips. And look, I, I know we've got to watch who we hang out with. I understand that, that we are. But that's why we surround ourselves with men who believe like we do to equip us to handle those who are not, who do not believe the way we do. You know, a lot of these guys, I've asked them, if you say you, you don't feel like you should be there because it seems like such a dirty place. I'll tell you, that's what I used to use as an excuse not to serve at the church, Mike. Well, the first mm. time I was, I was called to be a deacon once, and I said, well, you know, I'm a state trooper. I have a dirty job. I'm just not, I, I don't think I'm in a position where I can do that kind of work right now. <laughs> the guy who told me that uh, the church had nominated me to be a deacon, he told me, uh, okay, man, I get it. I, I, I see what you're talking about. Well, then the next year I was nominated to be a deacon again, and I gave him the same excuse. I said, I have a dirty job, you know, and uh, I have to sometimes I have to cuss at people when I'm at work and uh, I probably shouldn't be a deacon. And he said, well, how much longer do you think you're going to deny God's call in your life? And I said, excuse me. He said, well, it's obvious God's calling you to do this or the church wouldn't have nominated you to do this for two years in a row. He said, so maybe you need to just fix whatever you got to fix and start doing what God's calling you to do. Man, it just blew me away. He was exactly right. And so that's where I've got now when people come to me and say, you know, I have these issues here. Well, maybe God's calling you to do that. Maybe you just need to get over yourself and start doing what God has called you to do because that's what's important here. Are, are you... Are you telling me this because you don't like the job or do you, because you think God doesn't want you there? I think sometimes we use the other as an excuse. I don't think that's yeah. where God wants me. You know, and I think that what it really is is that we just don't want to be there. Lots of times when God calls us to do something, we say no. And we say, I don't think God's calling me to do that. But we really don't want to do it because I don't want to do it. Yeah. And um, I think that's what the problem is a lot with a lot of men today is they're just not, they use that as an excuse. And, you know, we could go on and on. I mean, I think they wear it out about how men aren't doing their job as a father. I think there's, I think there's a lot of integral things that are, that a man needs to be a successful man of God. You know, they have to be a man of integrity. They need to fight the apathy in their lives. They need to uh, pursue God passionately um, pursue and do the things that God calls us to do. Be in their Bible, study it, surround themselves with other men who can help them instead of just trying Absolutely. to go alone. Because, Mike, we were not designed to be Lone Ranger Christians. Absolutely. Absolutely. We were told we were actually designed to do this with each other and help each other out. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the verses that really spoke to my heart many years ago, we often quote, 
uh, Proverbs 27, 17, uh, mm-hmm. about that. It's iron sharp as iron, so it's one man sharper than another. And that's so true. But uh, there was another uh, scripture passage that really spoke to my life many years ago, and that comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, where it says two are better than one because they bring a greater reward of their labor. Yeah. With one, and, and if one falls down, there's another there to lift him up. You know, got him, got him back. And the interesting thing about that, at the end of that, end of that passage, there, there's a warning there to man. Pity the man who doesn't have somebody to lift him up. You know, mm-hmm. and when he falls down, and, and that's so true with so many of our men today. You know, the interesting thing is, is that, uh, and, I, and, I, and I know you've seen it. You've been doing men's ministry long enough. We have a tendency to speak down to our men. Yeah, uh, we have a tendency to 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 beat them up, so to speak. But like you say, sharing all those statistics, and there's nothing wrong with those statistics, but we do it in a way to to make men feel guilty so many times when we really ought to be encouraging them. You know, it's interesting a lot of times when we talk about Mother's Day and Father's Day. Mother's Day, we lift and build our women's up and tell them how great of a job they're doing. And then we tear them down about how poor of a job they're doing. What do we need to do to help men? And I don't, you know, you know when you to, to reverse that trend of, of speaking down to them and discouraging them with, making them feel bad about themselves to try to get them to do the right thing. What do we need to do to help the men to understand what a real man of God is all about? Well, I think we've got to come alongside them. And um, that's one of those things where mentoring is so important, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, I think we've got to come alongside them and let them know, look, man, man, you're not the first. I'm surprised still when men come into small groups and they they finally break down and say, man, I thought I was the only one going through this. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what we need to do. We need to let guys know. That's why I said like what I said before about how I wondered for so long, you know, away from God that now when I come up to guys who say, you know, man, I'm doing this is what's happened to me right now. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I've been there, you know, mm-hmm. and. And we just explain to them, but you just got to, you know, we can, we just need to be able to come alongside them and explain to them how that they can come get out of that. I had a, uh, I'm trying to decide if I want to say this or how I'm going to say it. I had, a, <laughs> I had an older man once tell me that the reason, said, I, you know, we talk about, talk to the guys at our church all the time about how they need to be in a small group. And I had an older man tell me once that, well, you know, the reason we don't get involved in small group is because we don't want to feel judged. I said, and I looked at him, this man who's a few years older than me. And I said, you know, Mo, you know what, man, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says, what? I said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. I said, what you need is a man to come and tell you what you're doing wrong and also to tell you what you're doing right and yeah. how you can get rid of those things that you're doing wrong. And I said, and you're not going to get that at home by yourself, fearing that somebody's going to judge you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you just can't do that. And and one, but I told him, I you know, I I punched him in the gut by saying that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. And then I told him, and then I told him, I said, you just think about this, man. You've been on this earth for sixty something years. Think of how much you have to offer to these younger guys in a small group. Amen. Like, 
you're so worried about yourself that you're not even thinking about how you can help somebody else. I mean, really? Mm. It, uh, and, and, you know, this is a senior member at church, you know, and, and he's saying that's why I don't go to small group because he's worried about getting his feelings hurt, isn't he? That's, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's what we've got to watch out. But as far as as far as helping these guys out instead of punching them in the gut all the time, I think we've got to do that. We've got to be able to get alongside them. You know, porn issues. Every time you hear somebody talk about porn issues, they want to bring out the statistics that – um, this is a this this is not a victimless action, you know. That the the women that you're watching in porn that they will go into this type of fifty uh, percent or eighty percent of them will do this, uh, and eighty something percent of them are involved in uh, the the sex industry and uh, and all this stuff. Well, well look, it, do you really think the guy that's watching the porn is concerned about that? I don't think he's thinking about that when you're watching it and you can't beat him up with those stats. What you need to do is tell him, look, man, do you not know how this is affecting your family? Yeah. You, do you, do you not know that you can come to guys like me and we can talk about this and we can help you through this and get you away from that? No, we want to beat them up with stats that they don't even worry about anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know I, I don't even tell a bunch of stats to guys. Yeah, yeah, the interesting thing is is that um, as a men's ministry leader, when when you're developing those small groups and doing those small groups, you have got to be transparent yourself. Yeah. You have got to let them know about your failures and how God uh, pulled you through those those failures, whatever they may be, and which will help build those bridges for them to see, like you said earlier, I'm not the only one dealing with this, you know, mm-hmm. and and they know that there are other men out there and and they're not going to judge you because they've been there themselves and they they right. have they have dealt with it. And we have to. Uh, the other thing is, is, though, even though we won't be careful about how we speak into our men's lives, we do have to speak truth into their lives. We Absolutely. do have to speak the word of God into their lives and help them to understand what the word of God says about certain, certain uh, lifestyles and certain issues that we're dealing with, but we got to do it with love and we got to do it with grace. Mm -hmm. So uh, talking about small groups, one of the ways we, things we do with our small groups is uh, the first thing we do when we get in there and sit down. And this is kind of the model we've set up at our church for small groups is uh, we go around the circle and everybody confesses their sins for the week. To each other, and um, that, or you know, we'll say, you know, um, I've got one guy who leads one small group. He does it around a campfire, and they put a log on the fire. That's how they get rid of their sin. He says, "This is the log I got to burn tonight," and they they'll speak out about that, which I think is wonderful. But they'll speak out about that. But that's the way all our small groups, our church, we start out by going around the circle, and everybody talks about things they've done this week or things they need to do better. We do that before we even pray. That way we can pray for these things that we've talked about. Uh, yeah. We take about 20 minutes to do that. And then we go into, then that's when we get into the word, just like you're talking about. Um, okay. Brother, we've had, we've had men get saved at small group. They, they, how, big, how big are these small groups? Most of them, uh, I've got, we've got one at my church that's got about 10 
that's about the biggest one. Most of them have about five to eight mm-hmm. men in, in, in the small groups. And uh, we call them men's groups. We call them Boone's men is what we call it is because we're Boone's Chapel Baptist Church. And uh, we call them Boone's men. And, and yeah, so the, the and, and all the small group leaders are, are guys who were in my small group for a couple of years. And now they've gone out and they've started their own small groups. And um, it's we, we try to keep all the small groups on the same curriculum. But, you know, sometimes guys will show up to small group and we don't even open up the books and we don't even open up the Bible uh, because we got to do a little heart surgery. Somebody's had something happen that week. Mm-hmm. And the guys discuss that and they'll pray over him. Uh, they'll quote scripture over him on whatever issue it is. And then we just catch up with the lesson the next week. You know, well, you know that's that's great that uh, you're more very flexible. So, so, so often I hear so many small groups talking about we got to stay on task, we got to stay on task, we got to stay on task. Mm-hmm. But the task is, is ministering to each other, you know, whatever their specific situation is. And if somebody does yes. bring up something they've had a difficult time with that week, you do need to deal with that. You don't need to just kind of push it aside so you can so you can get into the lesson or, or whatever you're dealing with. You, you need to minister to that individual and speaking to them. And so I, I'm glad to, glad to hear that that's what you all do. I think it's very important. Yes, sir. Jay, I, I, I you know, I have told the audience this or our listening audience this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Um, Jay is going to be with us in uh, this coming spring at the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, coming up March 18, and uh, he's going to be one of our keynote speakers. So I'm looking forward to having Jay here with us to, to share his heart. Uh, and I want you to take a few minutes, if you would, to a couple of minutes here as we start wrapping things up here about what um, you may be speaking into to, to those men. What 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 uh, what what do you what is or has God even laid anything on your heart yet about that, or, or what you may be speaking into their lives about? One of the things we're going to be talking about is how we can get into uh, into ministries at church, being into the work that God has called us to. And uh, I, I'll tell you, lots of times I think we we go to these men conference men's conferences, just like this this one we're talking about. We go there, we get all fired up, and we it's like, yeah, I'm going to do everything God's called me to do. And then we go back home and. Bam, we hit the wall, right? You, you right. go back home and you get back to work. You get back right. to church. You get back to the right. family. And all right. of a sudden, that that conference you went to a couple of weeks ago, it's it seems like it was a year ago. And and you're not doing that that you're just not as excited about it. And and it's for whatever reason. The 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 um your family's not as excited as you are, your friends aren't, um, the preacher's not, you know. <laughs> So, you know, you just don't know. And uh, so we're going to be talking about that, you know, and how we can go to go to something like Iron Sharpens Iron or we uh, we can go to a men's conference and we can get fired up and how we take that back. Because because here's the thing, you got to keep that momentum going. There's a saying that um, I've heard here in Alabama. I don't know if you guys have heard it up there or not, but it's a whole lot easier to push a car once it's already rolling. You know, yeah. when you start pushing it, when it's sitting still, it's tough it's to, hard get it. to get going. Yep. Well, once you get it rolling, it's pretty good. So what yeah. we need to do is we need to get motivated 
And when, when the Holy Spirit moves through us, we need to keep moving with the Holy Spirit. It's when we sit back down, we say, yeah, and we get back into the old grind. And then we just like, man, I don't, that's when we start asking those questions. I just don't know what God's calling me to do. Yeah. You know, well, you know the interesting thing about an Iron Sharpers Iron Conference is, you know, the full title of it is um, uh, the Iron Sharpers Iron National Men's Equipping Conference. It's yes. a conference to help men to equip themselves to understand their call and to go back into their churches. But I got a, a very encouraging email uh, this morning from a pastor um, that was uh, at the recent uh, conference that was here in Wilmington, and he was sharing with me how three men who was at the conference went back to their church, and it was the catalyst that began the movement of identifying in, in their men's ministry at their local church, and they have not lost the passion or the vision for what they needed to do. And it says wow. he sees he sees the momentum growing in their men throughout the church, and that was such an encouraging word to me. He hear mm -hmm. hear what's going on. And that's exactly what you were talking about, is understanding your call and what you're supposed to do to minister and reach men. Uh, that's great. That's great. Jay, you got anything else for us? No, I think that's about it, Mike. I'm really, looking forward to coming up. I'm really looking forward to coming up there and seeing you guys this yeah. spring. So. Yeah, you know what your breakout session is going to be yet? Uh, I know you talked about your keto, your keto topic. You know what your breakout session is going to be yet? I know I'm going to be talking about work and how it's uh, it's it's just another is it the I call it work I think I think Iron Sharpens Iron changed the name of my <laughs> but I called it I called it work the other four letter word <laughs> I know I'm going to be I think I'm going to be talking about that and uh, and then also be talking about the five uh, assets of manhood so. Well, Jay, thank you for being with me today, and I appreciate the information you shared and the thoughts and sharing your passion. I, I think it's something that I hope uh, men uh, who's listening to this all over this country and even internationally um, will take uh, take this to heart and really evaluate themselves and understand what their call is in their local body of believers and then be able to, if, it's one of, if their call is to minister to men, they will take that on and move, move in that direction. And I appreciate it. If somebody wants to contact you to uh, hear some more about uh, your thoughts and opinions and so forth, or want to ask you to come and speak at, at, their, at their church, how would they do that? They can contact me by email, uh, jay, J-A-Y, at standupmen.org. Uh, you can also call me uh, on, on my phone, 334-303-9164. Um, and I don't mind sharing that number. So, okay. <laughs> I know you looked at me funny then, but uh, <laughs> I'm okay with them calling that phone. Also, too, I have a website. It's uh, standupmen.org. It's S T A N D U P M E N at or I'm sorry dot org dot o r g. Standupmen.org. Okay. Well, Jay, I hope the people reach out to you because I think uh, you've got a lot of good information that you can reach and, and share to them, even if they just want to call and talk to you a little bit more about what we were talking about. I know you will you will find the time to do that with them, and I encourage you guys to do that. And I appreciate you being brave about putting your phone number out on, on the World Wide Web. <laughs> you know? well, we like to, I, I like to talk. I'm an old state trooper. You know, we used to ride by ourselves, so we enjoyed having somebody to talk to every now and then. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Spent many hours on the road, just running up and down the roads and, and, and dealing with situations. So I appreciate it. Jay, I appreciate that. And for your listening audiences out there, I thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Stanley. Uh, as I said earlier, Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men and Men's Ministry Coalition. If you enjoyed this program, I'd ask you to do one or two things, or even both of them, really. So, uh, share this program with a friend and consider helping us uh, keep these broadcasts coming to you by becoming a financial partner of Cape Fear Men. And you can give by going to capefearmen.net and click on the Give to Cape Fear Men button at the top of the page. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance, and all donations are tax deductible. Thank you in advance for that. And if you want to learn more about what we do in Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you reach men if your local church, uh, you can uh, go to capefearmen.net. And if you would like to speak to me directly, you can email me at mike.salen at capefearmen.net. And for now, I will leave you with this lesson. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shake. This is Mike Salen saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next official conversations with Mike Salen.